It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk and Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Today, we'll be talking Florida prospects with Mark Long, who covers the Gators for the AP. But first, I want to remind everybody, you can find Big Blue Kickoff Live and all of the podcasts we do, including the Giants Huddle Podcast and the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Jeff Fiegels, hope John. you had a good long weekend. Happy Easter, sir. Yeah, it was good. Had uh, had all the boys home. We got a little yard work done in there yesterday, believe it or not. Um, it was a good Easter. How about yourself, Mr. Schmelk? Very good. I'm sure the boys were thrilled to come home for some relaxation and you're putting the work in the yard. I'm sure they had a lot of fun with that. Well, yeah, they got to help the parents, you know. We're elderly now. You know, we're in our 50s, so we well, need help. Y- you are elderly. <laughs> That is true. No hey, argument there. Listen, they get a free meal out of it, a couple free beers. All of my kids are of, of age of drinking age, so they're good. And so that's what they work for. And now pulling out of the driveway this morning, the yard looks good, weather looks good, and we got Big Blue Kickoff Live. How about that? Yes, we do. And, of course, mm-hmm. I set it up so Jeff Fiegels could talk to our guest today about his favorite player in this year's draft. Of all time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's bring in our guest. He is he is Mark Long. He covers the Florida Gators for the Associated Press. Mark, you got John Schmelk and Jeff Fiegels here in the Northeast. I'm sure Florida has much better weather than we do right now. Yeah, most of the you time know, they do. I just can't believe Fiegels is old enough to have three drinking age children. Four, two, four. Whatever it is. Mark, I have four, four. drinking age kids. Yeah, holy I God, know. I feel like you. I feel like you were punting two years ago. <laughs> Now, see, Mark, that actually... I wish I was. See, Mark, actually, Mark, actually, that's yeah. kind of true. He just punted till he was about 60. So that, <laughs> that's the thing. I know. I know. Well, hey, it goes by quickly. That's for sure. I'm on my 11th year of uh, being retired. If you can believe that, Mark, it's been a long time. Wow, it flies by. It does. It certainly does. It really does. So I usually like to lead these interviews off, but Jeff has such a love affair with Kyle oh. Pitts. I'm just going to let him go, and then Thank I'll pick you, John. up. Go, Jeff. Mark, so when we start this, you know, once the season is over, we get a little bit of a break and we kind of start to go into our our uh, our draft makeup and free agency and things like this. And looking at this draft board and players are coming out this year, immediately I went to this guy and I said to myself, you know, we talk about, and I, there's, the word generation is generational talent is not thrown around a while, uh, a lot, but he, around here it has been because we have a Saquon Barkley who was termed as that generational player. Uh, this guy is a generational player, Kyle Pitts. I am infatuated by him. Um, I went to the University of Miami, so there's nothing that I like about the University of Florida at all, I will tell you that, <laughs> other than this guy. And, I mean, I'm going to let you do uh, the due diligence on this, but I just feel like this guy can do anything that he wants against an opponent. I know he's shown it in the SEC. Tell me all you can about Kyle Pitts, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that you know about this young man. Well, there's zero bad and there's zero ugly. Good. I mean, the kid, the guy, I have yet to be able to find a flaw. I mean, he's got the NFL shield tattooed on his left pec. So mm. that's something we learned from, you know, you don't get to see these guys without their shirts very often. And on pro day, you know, that was what's one of the things that stood out to me 
is this is a guy who's been preparing, ready, preparing for the NFL long enough now that he, he got the NFL shield, you know, tatted up on his on his pec. So, I mean, this guy, he's been dating the same girl for a long time. Not one red flag. Maybe if you really want to nitpick, uh, you know, the guy sat out a game late in the season, but that was the coaches forced him to do that, and he sat out the bowl game. He opted out of the bowl game, but, you know, nobody's going to blame guys these days for yeah. doing that. You know, bowl games are mostly meaningless. Uh, but that is un- that is completely nitpicky. He did not drop a single ball last year that, I saw. that was, like, within his catch radius. I mean, he was just so fantastic. Nobody could cover him. Cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. Late- safeties and linebackers looked silly covering him. Cornerbacks, big, rangy cornerbacks, a little bit better. But even then, he ran away from some guys. He ran away from the Kentucky kid who's considered a second-round pick. Just ran away from him. So there's nothing wrong with Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's absolutely going to be a top 10 pick, and, you know, no one would be surprised to see him go in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything that, that you thought was just confirmed on his pro day. He looks the part. He, you know, he jumped fine. He ran better than people expected. The wingspan was fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he <laughs> is uh, a model citizen. From all aspects, from from everybody you talk to, model citizen on and off the field, and he's going to make somebody really happy in a month. I'm sure. All right, I want to follow up on a couple things here, Mark, and then Jeff can obviously pop back in as he pleases. Thank you. The one thing that I caught my eye, I expected to turn on the tape, and and I watched his receiving snaps first, and I'm like, wow, you know, he makes catches on balls that are thrown behind him. He makes Kyle Trask look great. He'll make any quarterback look great. But what I was really impressed by, you have a guy like that, and he has all those skills as a receiver. You would think that he just wouldn't have to care about blocking, and he could just mail it in there and be fine. And by the way, he probably would be. People would still pick him in the top 10 anyway. But the kid tries, and he seems to care. And the blocking's there, which, you know, it's great to have a, a 6'6 wide receiver that tests better with Mike Evans. You put him out there at the X spot, and you're fine. What's even better than that? A 6'6 wide receiver that you could put at tight end and create matchup issues with because the kid is actually a willing blocker. Now, he's not going to be a point-of-attack guy, mm-hmm. but he's also not going to screw up plays by just whiffing on people, which, to me, is huge. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean that's the that's the one thing that the big concern going into last year was could he take a step as a blocker? And he proved that he could. He could be an inline guy. He's not going to be, you know, you know, a ten-year Mercedes Lewis point of attack of guy. Uh, but what he can do is hold his own in there. He can certainly move people, move defensive ends, move linebackers, hold his own uh, against. You know, maybe a guy he's given up some, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds to. He can hold his own against those guys. He's not going to embarrass him himself. He's not going to embarrass you in the run game by any stretch of the imagination. And like, like you said, he's, if you get him in the right setup with the right team, with the right uh, coordinator who can be creative with him, I think the sky's the limit with this guy because he is such a matchup issue. And you can do so many things. I think Dan Mullen even said it last week was like, he, if you get him with the right guy, and that's going to be important, is getting him with the right coordinator, somebody who's going to be creative with him. Because you, know, you can't just line him up in the same spot and expect him to be, to be dominant. But if you can move him around, get him, get him in, 
in those matchup issues where he's on a linebacker or on a safety or maybe even on a inside cornerback, uh, you know, you're going to, or one-on-one, you're just going to, uh, you're get the, you know, what you can do with him, you know, is limitless because that's how good he is in everything you do. Mark, you know, you mentioned about his movement. Um, I think that's the most attractive thing about his skill set to me is the fact that if you do find that offensive coordinator that can utilize that movement skill set that he has, um, he's going to definitely win a lot of his matchups. Um, and, you know, I know that it's about 50%, maybe a little less than at playing wide receiver than he did tight end, which kind of transitions itself very good into the National Football League because you know that the tight end position is has, it's just a hybrid. It's, it's totally changed, that position, over the years. Um, let me ask you this. So it is pro day. I know if you're a scout and you're some of these coaches that came and watched him do what he did on his pro day, if there's one thing that, that – the people were scratching their head about because they already knew that he was fast, he was big, he was tall, all that kind of stuff. What was the one thing that you think that the coaches and the GMs and, co- and the head coaches took out of that, that pro day that they were like, wow, okay, this guy is legit. We know that this is now he's, he's the real deal. Was it his speed, the run he ran I, the 40 I, in? Yeah, I would say four four five is is really good for a tight end. It's not quite – Vernon Davis, I think, set the – I think he set the pro day mark for a tight end that size, you know, a big, big tight end. I think he ran 4.38, Vernon Davis, and he was the sixth overall pick in 2006. So when Pitts comes and runs a 4.45, which is certainly in that ballpark, I think that's anybody who had questions about his speed, which nobody should have, because I think it shows up on tape. Uh, I think the one thing to me, Jeff, is his fear, sheer size. I mean, you 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 know, because you don't know. He looks like a tight end on film. I mean, he looks like a he's big enough to be a tight end, but he looks like a receiver the way he runs on film. He's got unbelievable hands. But I think when he stretched out at the pro day, and his wingspan was eighty three and a half inches, I think people went, "Wow!" Mm-hmm. You know, even on an NFL, even by NFL standards for tight ends, that's pretty pretty darn wide wingspan. Uh, that one was pretty big. Twenty two reps on the bench press. That was another one. You wondered, okay, here he is. He's a tall, rangy guy, 6'6", 245. He's certainly cut, but uh, you wondered, you know, what, how much strength is back there. And, again, I think doing the 22 reps just backed up that what you saw on tape, that this guy can move people. He is not uh, some wide receiver playing, playing tight end or a wide receiver in a tight end, uh, in a, you know, a small tight end body. He is legitimate tight end who can do it all and then mark the last thing i'll ask you about him because i think what why we like having the the local reporters on to talk about these guys is that you you know might see things or hear things about the guys that you know we don't we can watch them on tape but we miss out on all that stuff that only you can glean from being around these guys and i know covid has made that a little bit more difficult but the one thing i really liked watching kyle pitts do his interviews after the pro day and i always worry about this with the big time pass catchers I want that diva factor low, and and I don't sense an ounce of diva in this kid listening to him address the media and just talk to people. Yeah, and you know, honestly, he he did actually he you know raised a few eyebrows afterwards because he's he's always been a very open and honest and very well well spoken guy, but he's never been a trash talker or you know pat himself on the back or I need to get the ball more. That's never been his 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 stick or his spiel or even you know you even get a hint of that. But I will say this: the after the pro day, he did just raise a little eyebrows because the first time he's ever really said anything 
with an inkling of maybe making a headline where he said, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I'll be the best to ever do it. Talking about the tight, he thinks he's going to be the best tight end to ever play the position. He's got the skill level and he's got the work ethic and he's got everything, all the intangibles to make it happen. So for him to say that, I, you know, I get it that that's kind of, you know, that's just being confident in yourself. Uh, but you know, he's trying to get drafted higher. I get all that, but for this guy, for what we've seen for three years, that was a little out of character. And for him, certainly headline material because he's never said anything close to that where he felt like he could be the best ever do it but i get where most people would say yeah that's just you know any guy any normal first round pick being pretty confident himself uh the reality is nobody'd be surprised if you know if he did actually turn out to be one of the you know the best or one of the best to ever played the position all right, I'm going to jump over here, Jeff, to uh, sure. Kadarius Tony then, sure. and and Mark he ju- he tested off the charts, which we kind of expected. You know, watching him this year, I think he he played really well. I guess my question for you about him would be pretty simple. We know he's a great athlete. How good of a technical wide receiver is he to this point where you can trust him to run the whole route tree, make the adjustments you need him to make, and things of that nature, or is he still really more of just an offensive weapon? Well, he's definitely an offensive weapon, and he's a guy who you could you could put back there to return kicks and return punts. He's he's done that at Florida, uh, but what he did this past season is he took a huge jump from 2019 to 2020 in being a complete receiver. Uh, 2019, 2019, he certainly was playing behind a lot of guys: uh, Van Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, Freddie Swain, Trey, uh, Trey Grimes. So he was playing a lot of guys, and he, and he got hurt there. But he only had 10 catches for 194 yards and a touchdown in 2019. And he just really, you know, a lot of those guys graduated, moved on. But he just became, you know, he stayed healthy. That was number one. But then he just became this unbelievably complete guy where he wasn't trying to do too much. He really, the first, you know, three years of his career, it was like he was so, you know, he's doing so much dancing when he got the ball. And, he would cut back and he would lose yards sometimes. And that was the thing that Dan Mullen had said was, I got to be able to trust him to, you know, to go get four yards. You know, you don't have to turn it into 25 or 30 every time or 50 or a touchdown. But that's what we got to get through his head that, hey, a four-yard gain's okay. They're not always going to be game breakers. And that's what he did. Uh, not only did he have much better hands as a senior, but he caught 70 balls for almost 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, he was fantastic running the route tree, fantastic, you know, catching the ball, making people miss when he did and not. And the number one thing that I think everybody will tell you who watched him regularly was, you know, he stopped trying to do too much. He really, really played within the confines of the playbook, the confines of the play, uh, and, and just, you know, took what was there. And that turned him into a guy they could, they had, they, they wanted to get the ball in his hands before, but were worried that, you know, it could lead to something bad to a guy they realize that, okay, we got to get the ball in his hand, you know, 10 times a game. And that's really pretty much what they did. Uh, the one thing I will say about him, he's not Kyle Pitts from a, from a clean sheet standpoint. Um, he did, you know, he does have that. Uh, he was pulled over for a traffic citation and, and caught with an, it was an AR-15, I believe, in the back of his car. <laughs> And he didn't get, you know, didn't get in trouble for it. But I think some people see that as okay. It's certainly a little bit of a red flag. As here's a guy 
you know, what kind of a guy has an AR-15? And, you know, and he, <laughs> maybe it was legal, maybe. You know, but, again, why do you have an AR-15? Why is it in the back of your car? Yes, it was unloaded, and I do believe it was by, they didn't give him a ticket for it. I think he it was all registered and everything. But it's like, you know, what is this guy doing with an AR-15? AR so I think if if there's a red flag, that would be it. Uh, but, you know, he's you know he seems to be, by all accounts, a good kid. That was a few years ago. So uh, he's got a second career as a rapper. He does have a – he has a, some rap songs out there where he's done that. Um so you know, if the football doesn't work, he's got that to fall back on. Well, maybe the maybe the gun was part of a, a music video he was doing in a rapping video or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, he probably maybe he should have told him it wasn't real. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I noticed that his in looking at his snaps and and where he played um, in 2019. When you mentioned he didn't play a lot. Um, they started him out at the slot position, played wow, a little yep. bit of outside, but primarily slot was where he played in 2020. Looks like he did very good from there. Um, do you kind of envision a team going after him as that slot receiver? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's where he's going to be. You know, most impactful. Not that he can't play outside because I do think he's got the speed and if anybody questioned his speed there were questions about you know was he did he really have that top end speed and I think you know at least his 40 yard dash showed that uh you know he's another guy around that that 4-4 four, four, you know mark shows that uh you know he's got some top end speed and maybe more so than a lot of people thought because I think everybody thought it was he's just had a lot of wiggle and and that would be his one downfall but uh he ran well and I do think he's he can play outside, but I do think his future is going to be as a slot receiver. I just think that's where uh, he's going to be the most dangerous. Get him he's got the ability to get into some open space. Uh, he is tough as nails, even though he's had some injury issues. He has uh, proven to be really, really tough. Uh, taking some hits, especially last year. So uh, that's where I I envision him being a slot receiver, and probably why he's not going to be. Uh, Jamar Chase with, you know, the first guy off the board. Trayvon Guy Grimes is someone that's interesting to me, Mark, because you look at his measurables, 6'4", 220. He ran a 4'4", 940 at his pro day, a sub-7-second three-cone drill, a 4'2", short shuttle, which is pretty good. You look at the measurables, you're like, why? Why isn't this guy being talked about as a early day-two pick? I'm not sure he's going to go there. He's probably more than likely a, a mid-round, maybe like a, a fourth-round type of selection. So with all those things that Grimes has going for him at 6'4", 220, why do you think he's not being talked about as being one of those kind of day-two selections? Yeah, it's, it's stunning, honestly. I, it's one, it is the most stunning thing. I actually would have thought going into the draft process, I actually thought Grimes would be a, a big-time riser. I thought he would be a guy that people got around, saw him, saw how physical he is, how big he is, what a good blocker he is, uh, unbelievable catch radius, great hands, un- great speed. And I really I thought he would be a guy who would start out as maybe behind Tony, and then by the time we got to the draft, he'd be the guy, the big riser, and be ahead of Tony. But it does not look like that's going to be the case. I'm still a little surprised by it. I, I would think he inter- would interview well. Uh, I think you know he's obviously very good on tape. Uh, he's a guy who can play, should play outside with that kind of speed, that kind of size. Uh, so I'm a little surprised, to be honest. Why? I don't know. I can't tell you why he's not as high as I thought he would be. But I, I still think somebody will look at him and, and maybe take a runner on him. 
uh, late in the second round, early in the third. I would be stunned if he goes, if he's a fourth-round pick, honestly. If he if he's on the board there after the end of all those comp picks at the end of the third round, I would be, I'd be very, very surprised. I just don't think – I think he's got too much talent, uh, too much upside to be sitting there in the fourth round. And if somebody does get him in the fourth, that is going to be an unbelievable steal. Or he's six foot four. That's you know, yeah. those don't just grow on trees these days. I think that that's uh, it's interesting that you know, and, and a guy like this coming out of the SEC in Florida at six foot four, um, complimentary receiver, he's going to be fine. I think he'll he'll be good. I mean, it's it's funny because John had mentioned that the reason we we like to talk to people like you, Mark, is that we get the insiders on a lot of the stuff that, and it's amazing to me that you kind of don't you don't understand why, and it's it is a little bit weird that just you know what's the deal here, but. Um, it's good to hear that it's, if somebody does take him, he's definitely going to get a chance somewhere. Uh, John, I'll transition over to Kyle yeah, Trask. Um, here's a guy that I feel like has a lot to prove. Uh, you know, one of the quarterbacks that I know he's being slighted because there's so many of the good ones in the draft this year. But it sounds to me and looks to me like he went into his pro day, had a pretty good day throwing the football. And um, I think that there's, a, there's some questions still out there. But did he do good for himself at the pro day the other day? Yeah, he did fine. I think he did everything, showed everything that we thought he was. I, you know, he his his goal was going to pro day and quote show that I'm not a statue back there. End sure. quote. And that's, that's the that's the that's rub what on he him. wanted to do. So you saw in his in his passing, he ran everything that he could run. He's running the three cone drill. He's running the forty yard dash twice. He just wanted to show people that I can run. I am I'm mobile. I got better than average speed. All those things. And then when you went when he went into his his actual passing, uh, you know, playbook there and, and did all of his passing drills, everything was him moving, 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 rolling left, rolling right, stepping up, throwing. So I, I it was a very clear and conscious effort for him to show the thirty one teams that were there uh, that that this is what I can do. I can move. Uh, I don't know how if he convinced anybody. Who knows? I know this. When you look at the potential for four quarterbacks to go in the first four picks, right? I mean, that's I'd be a, maybe I maybe I'm crazy, but I certainly think it's going to go that way. Maybe the Jets do something different, but uh, you know they're going to be. They'll you got to think four quarterbacks are gone in the top ten, right? So Kyle Trask, to me, I think he's going to be a very interesting, you know, subject there uh, sitting on the board prospect there in the late late in the first round maybe early in the second somebody somewhere needs a quarterback is going to go you know we could do a lot worse than Kyle Trask uh so he did he definitely showed what he's capable of he doesn't have you know he's got a strong arm but it's not the strongest arm out there he's got mobility but he's not the fastest quickest guy out there it's like he checks all the box but he doesn't woo you with any of the boxes and so that's the problem with Kyle Trask is he's just kind of you know uh, jack of all trades, master of none, and I almost think that's a slight on him. But I don't, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it as a slight because he's just really good. And I think probably the one thing that is his best is he's really, really smart. He's very hard worker, and he's unbelievable pre-snap read, uh, which are great, great attributes to have as a quarterback. And you could do a lot worse, and teams do, NFL teams do a lot worse than Kyle Trask every single year. Last guy I want to touch on before we kind of let you talk about the the rest of the group, Mark. You know, a guy who I think his pro day was lost in the mix because of the other big names in the quarterback is cornerback Marco Wilson. 
<laughs> I mean, the guy comes in at yeah. 5'11", 191. You're like, all right, that kind of looks like a slot corner. That's fine. Maybe he could play outside. Okay. Then you see the 4'3", 40-yard dash. Then you see 26 reps on the bench <laughs> at 5'11", yep. 190. Then you see the 6'8", 3-cone and the four one three short shuttle. Oh, and by the way, the forty three inch vertical and eleven four broad. And I'm like, holy <laughs> cow! Tell me about tell me about Marco Wilson. Good point. Well, first off, I'm going to correct you. Forty three and a half inch uh, yeah, vertical. My bad. My bad. You're right. Yeah, I mean that that extra half inch. I mean, yeah, it, the guy was the guy was fantastic. He looked in great shape. I mean, he did everything. What I will say is, you know, what team is going to look at the tape and go, okay, what this guy did at the pro day overshadows two years of what we've seen on tape. Uh, Because to me, on tape, he was not very good. Not very good last year, not very good the year before. Where'd they Uh, use him, Mark? Did they use him mostly inside or outside? Both. They moved him inside in 19, and they moved him back outside in 20. So he's played both. Um, he was at his best as a freshman in 2017. He got hurt in 2018. 2017 as a freshman, they they were four and I think they were four and seven. Bad team. Got the coach fired, but he was one of those bright spots. Him and C.J. Anderson on the opposite side. And there were people at that point who thought Marco Wilson would be better than C.J. Henderson. Wow. And obviously C.J. Henderson was the ninth overall pick last year by the Jags, and Marco Wilson considered coming out last year but didn't, came back to school for one more year uh, and wanted to maybe take his game to the next level and try to be become a first-round pick, and it just didn't happen. He did not have a good year. The whole defense was pretty bad, um, and he, you know, he was getting beat left and right and you know, sometimes wasn't even in the, in the play. So it was a little, it's been a little head-scratching. And then when you saw, you know, you saw him throw the shoe against LSU, you're like, what is he doing? You know, and that mm-hmm. kind of caps what we've seen from him for two years but then you know here he goes he goes out to arizona goes out to exos and got himself in fantastic shape really really trained clear it's very clear that he trained for the pro day um but the question will be you know okay did he you know (laughs) did he just train for the pro day (laughs) you know what can he do on the field and when the you know when it's real and what i've seen the last two years is you know I, I would take a flyer on him, but I wouldn't take him before the fourth round. And I now I don't think he's I don't think he'll be there in the fourth round. It's the same thing. I think he's uh, I think, um, a couple of people have him as top fifteen cornerback, which is usually right. You know, usually fifteen cornerbacks go in the first three rounds. Sure. So I would guess he's going to go in that third round. But given what he did at the pro day, maybe some crazy GM looks at that over what he's put on game tape and said, "Hey, you know, we can make this guy. You know, we can make this guy better." Or or what they saw on tape, they'll dismiss it as bad coaching or bad guys around him, something. Uh, but uh, to me, if I'm the GM, I'm I'm very leery because of what he's done the last two years on the field. Mark, I have to follow up because I know a lot of our fans here, they don't necessarily follow college football that quickly, and I'm sure it's a story that college football fans know about, but maybe they don't. Can you get into more detail about the shoe-throwing incident against LSU, please? <laughs> I think that's why most people know of him. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Quincy, his brother plays there in, in New York, plays for the the, uh, the Jets now, right? No, he's with the Giants. So Quincy Wilson lives there. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, out of the – just 
you know, game on the line against LSU uh, and makes a tackle on third down. It's a four-yard gain, I think, on a third and ten play. Makes a great tackle near the sideline, and as he's tackling the guy as a tight end, he the shoe, the guy's shoe comes off, and, you know, Quincy Wilson, instead of standing up and celebrating with all his teammates, he just inexplicably, inexplicably, inexplicably throws the shoe 10 yards downfield. And uh, it, it was just stunning. And, you know, the officials threw a penalty and kept the drive alive. LSU goes down and kicks the game-winning field goal in a fog. So uh, that 15-yard penalty cost Florida a chance. LSU surely would have punted there. They were deep in their own territory. They would have punted. Florida would have got the ball back with – you know, with a few minutes left, had a chance to go in and, and beat LSU. And instead, and, and LSU hadn't stopped Florida all day. They were moving the ball pretty well. Um, Florida was, had stopped itself in the second quarter a little bit. And um, so, you know, that was a huge play in that game. And, you know, LSU wins it. Florida did, did, did get a shot to tie. And Evan McPherson, Evan McPherson, who's actually, who came out, entered the draft, a year early, a little bit of a surprise. He was in there as a, as a kicker, and um, he had a chance and missed a uh, a long field goal to to win it for Florida. But uh, a stunning, stunning mental error by by uh, Marco Wilson there. And you know, we didn't talk to him. We didn't talk to him after that game. We didn't talk to him for the rest of the season. So getting him at pro day was the first his first opportunity. And he admitted that a lot of teams ask him about it because they want to know. You know, what did he what, say about what, what it? Kind of, what did he say about it? Well, him? he said he admitted that it was a bad mistake. He's like, you know, it was a mistake. I, we were in the the heat of the battle there, and you know, I was, uh, I just got caught up. My emotions, the shoes sitting there, comes literally in my hand. I really didn't know what to do with it, so I just threw it, <laughs> and I didn't really even realize that it was a penalty. And he's like, I don't run away from it. It's part of my life, and things happen. And this was one of the things that happened, and I'm going to answer it. The way I tell everybody, it was just an honest mistake in a game filled with energy. I made a good play, and I was excited, and then I made a, a dumb mistake, and that's how it is. And, Mark, and he wished it never happened, but he handled it. He took it head on, and that's how he's approached it with all these people, with all these scouts. And, again, you go back to here he is. This is a guy who's obviously well-coached on, on getting ready for pro day. He's obviously also well-coached on handling a dumb mistake and, uh, you know, and again, I don't think that's going to define him. Certainly, it's going to stay with him, but it, it won't define him as a player uh, or as a person for the rest of his life. And you were right, by the way. He was with the Jets, and he was added onto the Giants practice squad late in the year. Um, he was not active for a game, but he was signed to a reserve future contract. So, Mark, you were absolutely right about that. Uh, Jeff, you so asked something. with the Giants now? Or yes. He, he's with yeah. the Jets now? Yes, he, yeah, he was with the Jets, and he signed. He was one of those late-season practice squad additions, very okay. under the radar. You're absolutely right. Jeff, you got anything else for Mark? Nope, that's good. Thank you. All right, you. Mark, just any, anyone else that we missed that, that you think is under the radar for Florida that we did not ask you about specifically that you think could make some noise in the right situation in the NFL? Stone Forsythe. I mean, you know, this guy, what a great name, Stone Forsythe. And uh, he <laughs> waited three years to get a chance to play. And the, the kids, you know, I think he's 6'9", 320 pounds, uh, played left tackle last year, played really well. Uh, Kyle Trask was, was, was not sacked. I think he had, like, he was giving up 10 sacks until, the, until uh, maybe the uh, – I think they, they really struggled in the bowl game. But, uh, but you know, he didn't have – four receivers, but Stone Forsythe's a guy uh, I would expect him to go in the top 100 picks. He might even go 
you know, ahead of Marco Wilson. There's a possibility there. But mammoth left tackle, uh, if you need a left tackle, this guy would be uh, a guy you, you could take a runner on and feel pretty good about him and, and maybe his upside. So, Mark, when did you fly in a fighter jet? And I ask you this because <laughs> it, if you look at Mark Long's Twitter feed, and what is yeah. it, uh, AP Mark Long, do I have that right, Mark? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. So if you guys go there, he basically looks like he's at like like an extra in Top Gun. It is Twitter profile <laughs> picture. Tell me about that. I've been lucky enough to do it twice, and and that's not many people can say that uh, civilians. But uh, you know the good folks at in NASCAR and the Daytona 500, they've been they've been just fantastic over the years. I cover some auto racing for AP along with a lot of other things. Uh, but they offered me a chance to fly with the Thunderbirds twice. Oh. And so uh, I've done, I did it both times. I, I took them up on it. And the last time, I don't know if that was 17 or 18, just a few years ago, and uh, wrote a story about it, and uh, it was a fantastic experience. We, we get up. I mean, you, I mean, you just I mean, you almost lose your lunch every single time. They could pass you out. They could make you pass out if they wanted. Well, actually, you they know what, Mark? That, that, was, that, that, was, that was actually, was going to be my question. Did you pass out? Because I've seen a I million not, videos nine, of I people took, passing out. No, no, did not pass out. I handled 9.3 Gs. Nice. Uh, it was, it, yeah, it was, in, it was unbelievable. They actually, we actually take off at Daytona. They're right behind the track. At, and then they fly over Kennedy because Kennedy Space Center is a, you can't fly over. So they get permission to have us fly over there, oh. over Kennedy, because there are no planes going over the over the space center there. And so he actually, they actually turn the controls over. It's a, it's a two-seater. He's up front. I'm in the back. We go through everything, teaching me this, that, and the other. And then finally he just says, hey, plane's all yours. And Whoa. so, you know, here I am. This Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. This billion-dollar plane. And you can do – I can do anything I want. Barrel roll, uh, revert. I mean, and I did it. I did it all. Uh, and you've un- unbelievably responsive. I don't care what sports car Jeff Spiegel drives with his kids out of <laughs> out of the house. This thing makes your sports car look like a 1997 Saturn. Uh, this That's thing is fantastic. It is it is responsive. It is ridiculous, and uh, it's it was one of the best things I've ever done. Mark, awesome stuff, my friend. Really, that that is a great story. I'm so happy I asked you about that now. Good stuff, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to talking okay. to you again next year, right, pal? Thank you, Mark. Anytime, guys. Thank okay, you. have a good one. Mark Long from the AP. Wow, that was a that's unbelievable. Twice. Like, Twice. I, look, I I've heard of people getting to go up there and and fly with the guys, but to be given the controls, like seriously, that is like the coolest thing I've ever heard of my whole life. Yeah, I promise you that the the guy in the front had his hands on the wheel. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> He's so not like, cool. you know, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to go make a cup of coffee and then <laughs> go ahead and just fly the plane for a minute. Oh, my God, I can't imagine. I mean, not only that's a bucket list, but he got to do it twice. That's even so – I mean, hopefully they didn't give him the uh, the controls over Kennedy, you know, or, uh, you know, the space center there. That 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 just seems like <laughs> the coolest thing in the world to me. Yeah. Would you do does. that, John? Oh, in a second. In a you, second. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of, okay, so you answer the question. Uh, Dottino? No. No way. No, no way. Lance? No way. Well, I mean, I think they would have to probably build a like special little person plane for him so he could actually fit in there <laughs> with the Although, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of those guys are small. No, that, that is true, actually. You You're know? right about that. So it's, it's more the bigger guy that they have to worry about. I don't uh, think there's a chance Dottino goes up there and he does that. No way. There is not a chance. Yeah. I would. I would do it. 
Um, I would do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I would I would have to do some training first. Like I'd have to like go to Great Adventure and like ride like all the roller coasters. So I can't. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Was it's funny? You know, I used to ride roller coasters all the time, right? Yeah. And I went yeah. like three or four years without doing it for whatever reason. You get busy and all this stuff. So I went back, and on one of the rides, I forget which one. Like I got a little woozy, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not good here. I used to do this all the time, and now all of a sudden I'm getting older and I can't handle it. It's good. No, no good. So I would have to go back and make sure I can handle that stuff because the last thing I want to do is get on that fighter jet and I'm not sure if like you've seen these videos that people post while they're doing like the you know 10 G's or whatever and they're going super fast and you just oh, see yeah. the person like they're... slowly lose consciousness mm -hmm. yeah. I do not want to be that guy so I would have to do some type of training sure. to, to like get ready for that so I do not just you know right. pass out yeah yeah, because you would it would just ruin the day. I mean, you took oh. all this all this preparation to go up there and have fun with it, and the next thing you know, you pass out. And the and the pilot's like, John, you know, we got up here like thirty seconds, you were out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I I, th I think you could wake back up pretty quickly after they kind of take the G's off. Yeah, yeah. But that's the last thing you want to do is pass out. So I would have to yeah. do some type of training. But no, I would I would do that in a second, and it would be like one of the coolest things of my whole life. Sure, sure. Oh. Anyway, Kyle Pitts, Jeff, the Giants aren't getting him. Are you even more no, disappointed that. now that they're not getting Oh, yeah, him? I understand it. And, and, and the, more, the more we get closer to the draft, the more reality is that that's not going to happen. Um, you know, early on it was kind of exciting just to, I guess, just to, to talk about it. But, you know, from, from what Mark was saying, I mean, what a, what, a great, what a great player. What a great person. And a great kid, too. Yeah, I mean, and that makes a big deal. And, and that makes it just so much more, uh, I guess, attractive if you're one of these teams above the Giants and I just hope that nobody in our division gets them you know um, like Dallas but we'll see well it's not going to be Philly at least now no, because Philly, be Philly is his drop back so yep. it's not going to be Philly and I look I, if he's if him and Jamar Chase aren't the first two non-quarterbacks off the board I would be they have very to be. surprised they have I mean, to be so I, you're talking about six six Maybe well, yeah. No, I'll take that back. If they're not one of the two of the first three, because there's a chance maybe an offensive Sewell. lineman, right? Yeah. yeah. By the way, and I'll throw this out there, and we have a call on the line. We're gonna get to. I promise. At nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty, I've heard now from multiple people that I trust, including with Mike Garofolo, who was our last huddle interview on the Johnson podcast last week, mm -hmm. that Penny Sewell is sliding down draft boards, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think there is now a legitimate chance. Slater that Penny Sewell's there for the Giants at 11. Mm -hmm. Him yeah. or Slater. I'm almost positive one of the two will be. And I think there's a chance that both are. A chance. Now, there's a chance that Dallas picks one right before the Giants, and I, I would not think they're going to let Penny Sewell get past them, mm -hmm. given Tyron Smith's health issues. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> plugging Penny Sewell at 6'4", 330, mm -hmm. in at left guard. Imagine having Tyron Smith and Penny Sewell playing next to each other, a left tackle and left guard. Could you imagine that? <laughs> talk, about, talk about a wall of Holy humanity. cow. <laughs> you have those two guys on the left side, and you have Zach Martin and Leo Collins on the right? Good well, Lord. Let's talk about this. Zach Prescott's going to be sitting back there sipping tea. <laughs> well, would you, would you like to have Daniel Jones sitting back sipping tea with both a right and a, a left uh, you know, tackles? I mean, I would keep Thomas at left. And I would put Sewell at right because I don't want to, I don't want to mess up with that left side with Thomas doing what he did last well, year in I the would, second half. I would say this too, Jeff. If Matt Parrott shows up and is really, really good, and by really good I mean like really, really good, 
and you ended up starting Sewell out at guard and maybe at some point moving me out the tackle, I'd be okay with that too. Sure. I have no problems if he's there at 11 and they take him. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, Here, here's a question. I, if listen. you can choose between Sewell and Slater, which one do you pick? I would have to go to I would go to I would go to uh, Pene. I would go him first. So would I. I, agree. I I I think that and just because again, there's so many analysts out there and draft guys and um, you know there's a lot of times guys just get pegged sometimes with bad information um, for both and, and this goes both ways, John. You know this. And by the way, the the, the it, knock on Sewell, just so people understand, it seems to be that he's not like really nasty and mean and doesn't like do like the super finishing thing. That seems to be the knock I've heard for whatever. Have that's you worth. seen him move? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, yes. Go put the tape on, and I'll take him. The guy just flat out plays football. I mean, he moves like I. Come on. Well, he's a monster. I mean, he, dude, he's uh, just a. I mean, look, he only is thirty. 30 I think thirty-three and change. Thirty-three and a half. I've never written down somewhere. His arms aren't the longest, but they're certainly long enough. They're and, long enough because he's fast enough. He's so good. Well, he's a beast. And again, you know, I just I, there's and what I was going up with is that you get these people that all of a sudden there's bad information and it just kind of piles on. But yeah. there's also there's also the reverse of that, John, that we have seen where all of a sudden people come into the draft thinking these guys are bad. And now all of a sudden now people are piling on because he's really good. You know, so it's kind of a two way street. Um, that you guys can get put in those types of scenarios, and you just have to be careful because I'd rather I'd rather be in the one where people are saying that he's not as good as we think he is, and then we get him in camp and go, "What are you kidding me? Yeah, this but, guy is a beast." Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and if he shows up at camp and they do draft a guy like him, and he ends up being the best tackle. By the way, in day one, he could end up being the best tackle on the team. I mean, he could be better than Andrew sure. Thomas, and if he's better yeah. than Andrew Thomas, then sorry, Andrew. You're going back over to the right side. Yeah, I mean, I that, mean that just is what it is. Which is, and, and that's no disrespect to Andrew Thomas. We've talked about it. The right tackle spot is just as important now as the left tackle spot. Sure. So I don't care. Put him there. Whatever. That's great. And the other impressive thing about Sewell's tape that you mentioned, Jeff, mm-hmm. he did that as a true sophomore at 19 years old. Yeah. yeah. Against like 22-year-old men at 19, he's dominating them. So, Speaking of yeah. young guys. Gimme, gimme, mean- gimme, gimme, gimme. I mean, Kyle Pitts is a young man too, by the way. I think he just, I think he's, uh, he's only 20 years old. Um, he might be turning 21 soon, but I mean, the guy still got a lot of, I mean, you watch this guy is going to be something. He is going to be something in the NFL to watch because that position has changed so much and you need teams need guys like that. They need that position player. Well, there just aren't guys like that. I mean, he's just a freak show. 83 inches. 83 inches wingspan that's his wingspan by the way folks that's pretty good come on <laughs> they said it's the i think it's the 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 widest wingspan of any wide receiver tied in in the last 20 years that's a, that's what i have read is that so, good <laughs> i mean 83 good? inches i mean you talk just throw it up there he'll get it just throw it go ahead throw it up there uh six six too by the way six six and 83 inch wingspan uh, i'm just gonna throw the ball high and let those little cornerbacks try to go get it. Forget about it. And and, and at that, he tested better agility wise than Mike Evans, oh, a wide crazy. receiver. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's nuts, folks. Limited gi- limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call eight 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 NYG nineteen twenty five or visit giants.com slash tickets for more information.
Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand, the debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash Suites for more information. All right, let's go to the phones here, Jeff. we got about go. 20 minutes of calls. We'll get you in at 973-667-1960. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where you call it from? Hey, it's Peter from the Keys. How you guys doing today? Pete, what's good. up, man? Not too much, not too much. So that was a really good uh, interview you guys just had. As I was listening to that wide receiver, Tony, mm-hmm. um, hadn't really known too much about him. When I heard he has a hip-hop career and they found an AK-15, that turned I'm you sorry. Off. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just kind of flashback of the whole DeAndre Baker thing, and I don't know the kid, and I don't really want to put the parallel, but that's the first thing that popped up in my head there. Uh, and look, I asked a question about Kyle Pitts with the diva factor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think there might be a little bit of factor with the other guy based on the stuff that I've written yeah. and heard. And I don't know the kid personally, your point, I can't say yes or no to it, but I think that's enough of a risk to me, and that's why you have a statting staff. Maybe the Giants do their work, and they say, all right, this kid's clean, he's good, he's fine, let's pick him. But I'm with you. I think there's there's enough wide receivers on the board where you can find somebody that will give you the same production, but maybe without those type of risks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another quick comment, and then a leading, leading lead up to a, a question there. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed the Twitter live feed that you guys have with Carl Banks there, John. Banff uh, loved that. That was great. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, it was actually pretty good. I think we might end up trying to do that a little bit on our own with the Giants. So we'll see about that. Oh, it was awesome. Um, I called in and I asked a question about, to Carl actually, about where he sees uh, Micah, Micah Fitzpatrick. No, Micah Parsons, um, where his best role would be. And I thought it was interesting that he said uh, middle linebacker as opposed to, like, the Sam or the Will. You know, I thought that was quite quite interesting that he, he sees him as a true Mike. Yeah, Pete, and, you know, I agree with him, and, and, and thanks a lot for the call, man. I appreciate it. Uh, to me, I think Michael Parsons, Jeff, is a Mike linebacker. He's an inside linebacker. He's a guy that you want going downhill against the run, filling the holes, anticipating where the runs are going. And on third downs, I think right now he's a blitzer. I don't think you're going to use him in coverage a ton, but if you can use him as a blitzer mostly on third downs, I think that's a good role for him. Well, listen, I'm not going to argue with Carl Banks. <laughs> I mean, I, obviously, I think he understands the position more than any of us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it just depends on the scheme and, the, and what you're going to get from that defensive coordinator where he's going to want to put him in. You know, in Patrick Graham's uh, instance, uh, he would just probably use him all over the place. But where would his primary uh, position be? It's going to be inside. Yeah, I'm with you. 973-667-1960. Let's go back to the phones. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Dave from Cranford, Jeff. And John, how you guys doing? Hi, Good, Dave. Dave. Nice to see you. Or hear you, You too. Say. You <laughs> too, Jeff. Uh, hoping Sean's event comes off so that you can uh, take more of my money and now win Now listen, event Dave, again. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, okay? And this okay. is the God's okay. honest truth. So okay. I was driving to Monroe County the other day, going by Cranford, and I thought of you. That is 100% true. I was down there. I go down there. Wow. And, I go to Monroe Township to get my plants. Uh, there's a great nursery over there that I go get these. <laughs> yes, so, yes yeah. of course there is. And, <laughs> John yeah, just You laughs. just made my day. You just made my day, man. Because you're thinking, wow, I can beat that guy in golf. That's what uh, exactly. you were thinking. 
How about it? That's so, good. Um, what do you got for us today, Dave? Well, hey, a, a, a couple things. One is, you know, it's always kind of fascinating to me, and you guys kind of touched on it a little bit, and that is like, you know, did did Matt Pert like like forget how to how to play this this past off season or something? But I guess I, I guess mean? my point is, well, what I mean is like all of a sudden from last year, if you go and listen, and not to you guys, but to the general media, and and like you know Matt Pert was this great pick and blah 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 blah, and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh we got all these big questions at, at right tackle. And the thing about Pert, and, and there's a friend of mine that I've talked about before who's an offensive line coach in the Big Ten, and one of the things he said that's most important is that when they have to, in college, you have to project really big time for offensive linemen because you're talking about high school kids. And, and the one thing that he's learned over the years, according to him, is that what you want to look for are the skill sets that are important to the position, footwork, hand placement, speed, quickness, and that the one thing that they don't get too scared about is strength, meaning it's the easiest thing to add to an offensive lineman's game given from a high school going to a college and then from college to a pro network. So I think the giant offensive line, by the way, I think there's two players that they're thinking very highly of. One is Pert getting stronger and being able to play the right tackle position. And the other guy is is Murphy. I, I think that they actually think that he has a lot of skill sets that also needs to get stronger. Now, if saying both of that, I still I'm hoping that one of the two between Slater and Sewell still falls to us because I would like to add either one of those to the line. But but my point is is that I think we're going to learn a lot about how the Giants look at their uh, positions based on that first-round pick, meaning what what their view is of where they think to add the most strength. Well, I, th- I think it depends, Dave, in terms of how they make that pick. They might decide that we feel good enough at all of our spots, and um, we're just going to pick the guy we think is the best player. And mm-hmm. they might go that route, and need has nothing to do with it. Uh, in terms of Parrot, yes, you need to add strength. You also need to improve on his technique. Remember, he was coming from a he wasn't coming from a power five school yep. either. Yep. He was playing right tackle for UConn. I guess the best team that they play is what, Louisville, I think, in their conference, right? Sure. Right? Sure. So he's not playing great players there. And he needs to work on his technique. He's jumping up a big level in competition. We knew last year was going to be a redshirt year for him. Do you hope that he can come out this year and be a good starting right tackle? Absolutely. But at the same time, while you want to get starters in, in the third round, there's no guarantee or even probably, not, probably worse than 50-50, to be honest with you. I have to look at the numbers. It's probably a lot worse than 50-50 that your third-round pick ends up being a starter for you. So yep. you want to have some level of security there, and I think yep. Murphy, too, I agree. I think as, as an undrafted free agent, he's somebody that people thought could be a player. I think better chance he's a guard than a tackle, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, based on where he's coming yeah, 100%, 100%. from. 100%. And, and then Lemieux was a fifth-round pick, and, you know, that's... Fifth round picks are, you know, roll the dice, close your eyes, and, and and hope it turns out well for you. And he showed that he's smart enough to handle the position. I think last year, which was good, if from an intelligence perspective, assignments, picking up stunts and stuff. I think he was very good. He was good in the run game, but he has to work on his pass pro, which is the toughest thing for offensive linemen to work on. So all these things, Dave, that you're talking about is projection. 
So we're projecting for those guys, which is to your point, and this is kind of where I'm landing now as I think about it more and more over the weekend as we had a day, you know three-day weekend. We had no show on Friday. And, Jeff, this is kind of where I'm sitting right now where if all else is equal, I'm picking the offensive lineman. So if I have gr- equal grades on a wide receiver and O-lineman, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking the O-lineman. I, I just am. I, that, I, that's John, what I'm, I'm doing. I'm with so. you 100%. And you seem to t- say – that you think one of those two will be there, John. That That's what you're, at least that's what I'm hearing yes. from you, which, by the way, I would like to believe. If I had to guess right now, I believe one of those two guys will be there. Which one? I can't tell you. I still think it's more likely Slater than Sewell, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But I believe one of those two guys will be there. Yeah, well, and, I think and, and, I, and, 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 I'm with, and I'm with you. Ahead, well, Jeff. real quickly, because I think the addition of Galladay has pretty much we talked about this last week a little bit about how it's taken up it's taken the pressure off the Giants for that need of a big play receiver right so um and if if one of the big guys are there um and it goes with John what John is saying it's a matter of okay what what do you feel more comfortable with rather than need well we got a big play receiver okay but we do not have what we could consider a, a true franchise right tackle and if one of those guys are sitting there I'm on board with it a hundred percent. Now, okay, okay I want to pose a question to both of you guys. How about this? Let's say you have a really tough decision, and you have to choose. We'll make it honest. What's the tough no, that, decision? That, and, and, and honestly, this, this would be the toughest decision for me. Okay. Sewell's off the board. Um, Waddle's off the board. Okay. Which is, I like, okay. I like Smith better than Waddle now, so that, that's why it's making it tougher for me. And you had to choose between either Devontae Smith or Rashawn Slater. Which one of those two guys do you pick? Slater. Jeff, yeah, I, I think that I think that I'm going to have to go with Slater. I think that because I just think that this is when we talk about what's what do we need for Daniel Jones? Well, we got a running game. We just got a new wide receiver. Um, we've got Kyle Rudolph and we've got uh, Evan Ingram at the tight end position. Let's improve and consistently and continually improve our offensive line. I agree. I think I would go with Slater, too. And here's the other thing that makes it easier for me to pick Slater. This is actually— Because he can play guard. I'm taking the words out of your mouth. No, that, that's true, but that's not what I was going to say, okay. actually. I actually think this offensive tackle class is very deep, and I do think you can get either a wide receiver or OT slash guard player in the second round that I feel good about plugging and playing— so when I'm making that decision between offensive tackle and wide receiver, you're not worried about finding another one. I'm right? throwing that out, right? Yeah, exactly, okay. because I yeah. feel good about either one of those positions in the second round. So I'm fine either way. But that's where I'm sitting right now. I'm either going uh, offensive uh, tackle or wide receiver. I I totally agree with you, John and Jeff. And I'll, I'll leave you with this, John. You you made reference to something though, which I shocks me that Mike Garofalo was your last caller on. On the interview show, actually, I'm sorry. He, he 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 was actually two guests to go. We had Greg Cosell on Friday, who was Greg also Cosell, very good, which was freaking awesome. So He's you awesome. go listen to that. I, I you you John, you you just don't make any mistakes. So I, no. I I'm sorry. I just had to. I hey, had Dad, to, just made I had one. To bring that up. I appreciate it, so, Dave. Thank you, man. Okay, I just want to bring that up. But one last question, yes. for, and then I'll let you guys go. And that sure. is this: Everyone talks about the the fact that the Giants could. Um, you know, possibly, and I don't think it's out of the question. If if let's say that those different guys are off the board, and let's say they want to get like uh, Vera Tucker as somebody, and they and they think they can get him at fifteen or sixteen, so they could could they trade down, pick up a second or third round pick? Fine. 
I don't know that it's completely out of the question, given where they think their depth chart is. And you might disagree, but I think they think very highly of a lot of the last year's draft picks coming in stronger, faster, and better going into this year. I think you could see them possibly actually trade up to get the player that they want. And when I say trade up, I mean eight or nine. I don't mean something ridiculous, but even from 11 to eight or nine, that's a, that's a big move in the first round. I could see them actually doing that. I know that sounds crazy, but I wonder, I, you know, it's not a question a lot of people have asked. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts off air. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate the call. I'm not a big fan of trading up, Jeff. I don't want to move any of my top 100 picks here, and in the Giants' case, it would be top 80 picks to move up a couple spots because here's how I look at it. Well, you got to give up. Well, as I'm saying, you're going to have to give up one or two day two picks, whether it's this year and next year combined. I don't want to do that because to me, look, we know at least four quarterbacks are going right in the top 10, probably five before the Giants go. So then you're sitting there, and I'm almost guaranteed, Jeff, that I'm going to get one of Pitts, Chase, Waddle, Smith, Slater, Sewell, Sertan. If you're guaranteeing me one of those seven guys, why am I moving? You're only moving back. Why am I moving? Right, exactly. Yeah, you're not moving up. Right, now, because look, because you have the four. Because look, those to me are the. Do you agree that those are your top seven position players, non quarterbacks? Hundred percent. So yeah. if you're getting and, and you want to throw Michael Parsons in the mix, fine. Do that too if you want to put him in that group. I could see that. Yeah, he's got right? to be in there. That's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. So if you're guaranteeing me one of those seven or eight guys, which they're gonna get based on the quarterbacks going, why am I moving up? Maybe Dave was talking. Was he talking about the first round, or was he talking about maybe later in the rounds? I think. I think he. I think he meant first. Round. Okay. Well, I, I I agree with you there. I would not do that, knowing that I, you're going to guarantee me those seven players, if you will. Um, then I'm not going to do it unless somebody really gives me a king's ransom at it. You know, then I'll I'll go ahead and do it. Um, you know, I'll move back down. I'm not moving up. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I mean, I'm going to move back down. I'll move down if somebody's going to really come up to get somebody that they want. Truly, maybe they want to get a certain if he's there, or maybe get that that tackle if he's there, but. To me, I am not certainly – I'm not going to move up at all in this draft unless it's maybe like the fourth or fifth round. But you know what, John? The fourth and fifth round, who's moving up to get players in the fourth and fifth round? See, to no, me – Nobody. Yeah, to me, Jeff, this is how I look at it. I don't want to trade – you're getting good players in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. Fourth round, depending on the year, you can get a good player in the fourth round too. And, and, the, and by the way, the Giants are at the 11th pick, so that's up there. Sure, so. absolutely. But once you get to the 5th, 6th, or 7th round, They're yes, can you find guys in yep. those rounds that are good? Yes. How They're often developmental. Does it, how, right. And how often does it happen? Not very. Yeah. So if, like, if I need to move up in the 4th round or 3rd round to, to find the player that I really like and I got to move 5th, 6th, and 7th round picks, take whatever you want. Honestly, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Take whatever you want. Or if I'm sitting there in the 5th round and somehow some top 100 guy on my board is still sitting there, but in order to go get him, I got to trade like two 6s and a 7. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, go no take way. him, and I will just sign a bunch of undrafted free agents, and I'll be happy with that. Well, because really, the, I mean, I think 5th round is your probably your cutoff to me at least. I think 6 and 7 are now borderline. Those are basically free agents. A uh, fifth round, you have a little bit more clout. You have a shot. You have a you shot. You got a shot, right? But but you got to play well in that position if you're a fifth round draft pick. And you know what's so funny about the NFL is, man, does that draft that position? It stays with you for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, oh, he was a fifth round draft pick. 
Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, he made one Pro Bowl. I know, but he was still a fifth rounder. He's not that good. <laughs> you know? Oh, he's a first rounder. Yeah, he never made a Pro Bowl. I mean, it, it just sticks with you all of your career. It does. Where you're drafted, free agents. I mean, you, you're peons there. If you're a free agent, are you kidding me? Peon. Peons. Yeah, I was a peon. Uh, I was a peon. Well, most punters are peons. They most are, yeah. I mean, there maybe two, two, maybe three a year. It's the most. And field goal kickers have a shot. They might get picked because teams get freaked out about bad field goal kickers. But they do. Punters. Yeah, they're they, a dime a dozen. Yeah. You can find those guys all over the place. All right. <laughs> let's squeeze in. One, I was going to make a joke. I won't. Let's, let's squeeze Just, I'm in. I'm lucky because we don't have a tough time. I know. See, we that's don't. why you're not going to squeeze in the joke. And, and I have a caller on hold, so I want to get right. to him. Caller, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Charlie Portland, me. Charlie. Doing all? Oh, this is another ideal situation for us. Charlie perfect. gets in at the very end of the show so we can cut him short, and then that's his call for the yeah, week. It's perfect. As usual. Yeah, well, hey, uh, hey Charlie, you, you choose to call it at 1258. Hey, that ain't my problem. No, that's how I got in. You okay. know, it takes time sometimes. Yeah, it does. Hey, what look, do I just want to comment. John, did sure. you, you ever see Mad, Mad, Mad World? No. Oh, you should see it. It's one of the greatest comedies of all time. Okay. Well, in it, Mickey movie. Rooney and Hackett has to fly a plane because it's Jim Backus. <laughs> goes back to get a drink and he gets knocked out and they have to fly the plane and land it. See, that's now, what would happen to you <laughs> if you were in <laughs> See, now, what, now, what, now, what I always remember, Charlie, what, what, what I always remember is the movie Airplane. That, uh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. That's my but, thing. Yeah. But I, actually, I have flown in a glider. If you've never done a glider, John, you should try that. That is incredible. You mean like a, a glider? Like you mean like a hang glider where you hold on to the bar, or no, like no, a glider no, a where glider you're in a cockpit? Plane. Okay, I got you. Yeah, you're in a cockpit. You know, plane has to take you up, and then you know you glide around, and you know you do belly loops and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 pretty amazing, and it's totally quiet. How do you land? Because there's no motor, huh? How do you land? Well, you hope you land. You on hope the you wheel. land. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that at all. <laughs> Very softly. No, you hopefully. Just, now, no, do you, you just glide down. Do you, you have somebody? Like... Do you have somebody in the glider with you? Or you by yourself? Oh, of course. No, no. You have a pilot. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I got you. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a pilot, but it's a it's an incredible experience. You can definitely try that. Now, all I want to say about Pitts, to me, Pitts is like getting two first round picks. It is. So, 100%. so for so for me, I would even move up to get him because of that. Because you're getting two first-round picks. Well, Charlie, let me put it this way. Miami just traded back up after moving back. so That's where he's going. So they ain't moving back. All right? So there's a chance that Pitts is gone by then. Because I think five – look, I don't know what Atlanta's going to do. I'm thinking they're going to take a quarterback based on what I'm hearing, but I don't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. But even if they do pick a quarterback, I'm 99% sure the Bengals ain't moving – and I'm not 100% sure the Dolphins ain't moving. So they would, he would have to get past both those teams and the Falcons for that to even be feasible. Yeah, well, don't you think, though, that the Dolphins, if Chase was there and Pitts were there, don't you think they'd take Chase? I think they'd take Chase. Why? Because of the, you know, I don't know. I, I almost know. think it's hard to find somebody. Like, if you're Miami, don't you think, all right, look, if we take Pitts here, we have another pick late in the first round, and then go pick Rashad Bateman, and you can walk out of the draft with Pitts and yeah, Bateman? I true. mean, that sounds pretty damn good to me, no? Yeah. 
Well, well, then we better go up to Cincinnati. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck. I, I think the Pitts is going to okay. end up in Miami. I think that's what they that yeah. that's what they're going to do. Now, how about this? What happens? This is now. This is fascinating. The Bengals are sitting there with Joe Burrow, who played with Jamar Chase, and mm-hmm. those guys were the best in the world at that when they were in college. Literally, the best wide receiver, yeah. best quarterback. Could they pick Pitts over Jamar Chase in yeah. Cincinnati? Yeah. That, to me, is fascinating. But don't you think Miami needs uh, offensive line to help their young quarterback? I and if, if you know, they could pick well, a Pitts will help and then, then Pitts will drop <laughs> Pitts will down. help any young quarterback, in my opinion. I believe Miami's going to. I think the reason Miami traded back up Charlie be is they want to get one of Pitt. those great pass catchers. Whether I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. in their heads they're like, we want Pitts or Chase. So they made that trade saying to themselves that we're making sure we get one of those guys, and that's why they traded back up with Philly to six. Yeah. Well, put it this way. If he gets by Miami and Lions do want to trade out, then we better go up to seven and get him. That's all I got to say. If that happens, we got to move up to seven. Would you be willing, to trade, would you be willing to trade next year's first-round pick to do it? Oh, definitely. Like I said, <laughs> this guy's a two— Two first rounder. He's a two first rounder. Jeff, would you? You know that? Hmm. No. no. You would, Jeff. Oh, Jeff, you would. You no, know I can't you do would. That. No, I can't. Ah! <laughs> well, what if we have a great year and we're we're thirty third or I mean we're third. Well, if you're thirty third, that's a really good year. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. That's fine. So I traded my thirty third pick in in two thousand twenty two. Okay, but we're not gonna be thirty three until you're thirty two. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Even though, All as much right. as I love that guy, I just could not. I couldn't. I could not do that. Okay, Jeff. How about this? Would you be willing to trade to go from? I guess that would be eleven to seven, right? That's forced. Yeah. Okay. Would you trade to go from eleven to seven? Your second round pick this year. Your second round pick next year. And ever and a third round Ingram. pick. Oh yeah, and Ingram. That. That's a good one. Would, would, you, would, would you trade two twos in Ingram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That. I would do that. Thank you, Charlie. Have All a good right, one, guys. Chuckles. Have a good okay. one. Good to hear from you, Charlie. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. I just, the one, the one's just, I just, I always feel like the the one you're just giving so much, you know, uh, yeah, and with, no, with nothing in, guaranteed in return. You and know by the mean? way, you actually don't want to be picking 33rd because that means you're also picking first. Just, just, just for the record. Oh, that's right. Exactly. That's <laughs> right. <saying>. You get, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, thirty-two would be the one you want to sit at. Yes. that would be fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I just I'm I'm just in this draft where I'm at at eleven. I'm not going up. I do not want to give up. I, I think I can get what I need and what I want at eleven. Now I'll, I'll throw one other option out to you. And Todd McShay threw this out there in his latest mock draft, Jeff. And I know we're a little bit over, but that's fine. It's okay. He had. The Giants, with one quarterback left on the board at 11, Justin Fields. And everyone, by the way, I don't get your take on the other thing, too. He had the Patriots moving up with the Giants. Okay. The Giants going from 11 to 15. Okay. Picking up a day-two pick this year and a day-two pick next year. He didn't have it completely spelled out, but it was kind of like a two and a three or two twos. Is that a deal you would make? Yeah, I would do that. I would definitely do that. Because I feel that at number 11 in the second round, so we're, no, it would be 15 in the second round, right? Um, where Patriots would be yes. a 15. So I'm picking, 
I'm getting two picks in four, 11, 12, 13, 14, and two, two picks in five, two players in five picks. You, yeah, you, you would be picking 15th, and then you'd be picking twice between 40th and 45th, yeah. or 40th and 47th. So I like that. I like that a lot. Knowing that I'm, I'm okay with, with what is in front of me, um, if Justin Fields is who they're going after, then that means that now, again, there's going to be players pushed down to me at number 15 still. Now, what if I tell you, though, if you go down to 15, and this is what happened in his mock, so I'm not pulling it out of thin air, you miss out on both top offensive linemen, you miss out on Sertan, and you miss out on Parsons. So you're going into that next group then. You're going into the Vera Tucker land. You're going into J.C. Horn land. Well, Vera Tucker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be all disturbed about that pick. He's You'd the be best okay guard. He's the best true guard in the draft. Okay. And that's who we need. The Giants need a, a true, real right guard. You could also go Rashad Bateman in that spot if you want to go that high for him. You're one of your guys. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. go... Mm-hmm. Well then, now now we're there, at that now we're point, having now, now we're having a discussion against again with wide receiver linemen that we just had a while ago with uh, with Sewell or the uh, or Devontae Smith. Right? Or would you feel comfortable taking a pass rusher at fifteen? Um, pick one of your Miami uh, guys. Well, Jeff. I could get take the Miami. Hurricane. I could I could get uh, uh, the Michigan guy, Quiddy Payne. Right? Yeah, you can go him too. Um, Oh, I just wish Jalen Phillips was a clean prospect. Like, if he didn't have all those injury issues, I, I would be fine. Just based off his tape, I'd be fine taking him at 11. But that off-field stuff scares the bejesus out of me. I would take Rousseau over him. And, but Rousseau may not be there. Uh, I Gregory Rousseau scares me. I don't even think I would take him at 15, to be honest with you. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah. I could be very wrong about him. He hasn't played football in a while. Um, and and he, he didn't, and, and, he didn't and, test and, that well. You know, and it, I don't know. Yeah. Golly, there's just so many different things to think about. All right, final question for you before we say goodbye. If yes, I made you place a large money wager right now <laughs> on who the 49ers will select at third overall, who do you think they're going to take? Trey Lance. So you don't believe the Mac Jones stuff? I do, but I, I, just go, I, have, a, I have a just a hutch that that's – because I, just, I agree with you. Everyone and their everyone and their mother is saying that it made for them to make that why? move. Why you would have to take someone like Trey Lance, right? Because they have all the physical tools you're looking for. You keep Garoppolo a year. I'm with you. I think that makes sense. That's what I would do. I'm 100 percent on board. But yeah. everybody around the league that knows people are swearing up and down that he's going to take Mac Jones, and I just don't understand why you would move up so high and give up. Two first-round picks, three, for, if for, you count the one you're swapping this year, to take someone like Mac Jones. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe he's the next Tom Brady or Drew Brees or the next you know Joe Burrow, whatever. I could be wrong about that, and he could be a fantastic pro. But I well, don't know. The only reason they're, they're going to do it is because of the offense that they run with Mac, Mac Jones would be, you know, they like to run the football, and they like to do play action. with That's their offense. Yeah, but can't you fit any quarterback into that offense, well, though? That, so I wh- was not done. That's what, I, this yeah. is what I'm, I'm saying. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So my point is is that is exactly what you just said. I mean, can, can Trey Lance run, hand the football off and run play action? Well, by the way, Trey Lance can do a lot more than that. Right. That's that what I'm Mac saying. That Mac Jones can't. That's my point. That's my point. So the read are, option, the read option is another, you know, another play that they love to use. Dude, remember what RG three did in that Shanahan system? Sure, sure. Ooh. There you go. That's why I think they're going to do that. But um, no, I'm with you. I, and I, if they don't take Mac Jones, somebody else is getting him because he's going. He's 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 you know he has just shot up the boards. 
That that to me is Carolina at seven written all over it. Because I mean, only it was with him with the Senior Bowl, that yep. staff got to know him for a whole week. Because you, you know, know Carolina's dying to pick a quarterback. They dying have to pick, a quarterback. to pick a quarterback. They just can't continue to get the Bridgewaters of the world that just it's their their stop gaps, right? No, absolutely. I mean, Eventually, they're going to have to find their guy, and maybe Mac Jones would be perfect fit for there. Do you think that Atlanta is going to take a quarterback at four? At, uh, four? I do. I okay. do. It's time. It's time. And again, it's, it's the Mahomes deal. Let's sit the guy for a year and be fine, and and just let him. Then you know, then what's his name can just ride off into the sunset yep. and, and that go was, back up somewhere else. That was that. Play. Yeah, yeah, right. I agree. That was the same thing Garofalo said to me on the huddle interview last week. And by the way, he's right. The most recent one we did is with Greg Cosell. That's up there now. Make sure you guys go check that out. And I, I have not, I have not spoken with him ever before. But I know that it, I've listened to him, and he is a great interview. And he is a he is he is oh, really good. Oh, he's yes. fantastic. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, I think I listened to him on the NFL Network before. Uh, he, during the season, he comes on for a weekly uh, show somewhere. Yeah, but ESPN I, actually. He's on is ESPN. It ESPN? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what. Oh, you know what it is? That'd I be, wonder if it's ESPN uh, college football. Does he do a lot of college stuff or no, just he, pros? The ESPN thing he does. He does the um, that that NFL matchup show that airs okay. the morning on Sundays. That kind of does him him and Matt Bowen and Sal Palantonio. Okay. They they kind of break down the tape. So he does a really good job. Yeah, I've heard him on the radio though for an interview with somebody on NFL Network. Oh, he's, by the way, he's, he's really fantastic. Good. Yeah, he's, he's really wonderful. Good. So make sure you guys go check that out. Jeff, and, like, and like our show was fantastic today. Thank you, Mark Long. Yeah, Mark was great. It was a really fun interview. Sound a little, little bit like Charlie. If you, I don't know if you noticed that. I, but did you, why, did, did why, you? Why are you taking shots at Mark Long for? No, <laughs> exactly. Sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I wonder if Charlie's going to actually call today because I want to compare the two voices. They did sound a lot alike. Obviously, Mark Long knows a lot, a lot more than Charlie does. <laughs> That's a long list, Jeff. Yeah, it really is. All right, so we will see you on Thursday with Paul. You got it. Thank you. All right, for Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmel. Thanks so much for being with us for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. The archive of this show and all of our podcasts, including the Giants huddle, aforementioned, had Mike Garofolo and Greg Cosell last week. Can be found on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. Find the subscribe edits to your favorites. Leave a five-star positive review if you're on Apple Podcasts. For Jeff, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.